But in terms of trading, where it really helped actually was when in a drawdown because one of the psychological trainings that we went through was this notion of uh, going into battle as if already dead. So, you know, it's just, it's like, look at what your worst case scenario is and, and stand inside of it. Like actually look at what that's like. And so as a trader, I hit my drawdown metric. I'm out of the game. How does that look? What's the impact? What's the impact on my investors? What's the impact on, you know, my profitability, what I'm doing, my family, you know, all the things around me, look at it square in the face. Hi, it's journalist Caroline Stephen. Our special guest on Talking Trading today is trader, fund manager and investor of 25 years, David Hobart. David's also a performance coach who trains traders and professionals to reach the best results. With David today, we discuss how much of self-doubt is a good thing for traders. We look at performance pressures that traders face and we also talk about how sword training help David psychologically in the markets. We also have a segment on overcoming humiliation today from a recent chat with the trader I had and Louise Bedford in Mind Power talks on learning to say no. Let's start with Louise in Mind Power. I'm getting ready to go into my daughter's classroom to help with the reading and I thought I'd do a quick mind power for you. One of the things that I think people struggle with is their personal level of embarrassment. They struggle to see that really they are not the worst thing that they have done in their lives and that is a tough lesson to learn. Sometimes after personal humiliation, or maybe if we've told somebody a goal that we haven't yet achieved, we can feel that sinking feeling and it can make us implode in on ourselves. Do you know one of the things I think that is a difficult part of being an adult is the ability to say no. We constantly think we have to please other people and say yes, 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 yes to other people's goals and dreams while we are ignoring our own. Yes to other people's agendas, while we forget that we are the most important person to feed, otherwise we won't be able to feed others. Are you spinning too many plates? Is it that you have become so pressured, or maybe you have felt that you have let other people down, that you have to say yes? I want you to carefully examine what you are saying yes to this week. If you're saying yes because you have been embarrassed or maybe you are worried about people's view of you, you have to examine that and you have to break out of that cycle. I say no to so many things and so does Chris Tate because if we did not, we would not have time to trade Now, what can you say no to that will enable you a little bit more freedom? Perhaps it will lead you into an area where you can even have an afternoon off here and there. Most of us are struggling for creative time. We want time to think, time to look at a tree, time to meditate, time to actually 
piece the pieces of our life into some sort of order. But instead, what we're doing is we're running around, we're saying yes to so many things that we are not claiming our own time and giving ourselves space to live the trader's life. So that's my challenge for you today. Find something that you can say no to today, or if you miss out today, then make it this week. Say no, liberate your life, and stop feeling humiliated and embarrassed in front of people who don't really count in your life. And then you'll take a step closer to living the trader's life. Recently, I've been speaking to someone who had made a fortune in the share market, but they'd lost it soon afterwards, leading to feelings of deep humiliation. And this is quite a common story I hear around the traps from the people and the guests that I research and interview for Talking Trading. Whether people have lost a high-profile job and been fired, or they've lost a fortune, or they've lost their social standing, feelings of humiliation are deep and long-standing. And I wanted to do a short segment and delve into the psychology of humiliation because humiliation is something we've all experienced at some stage and it can get in the way of our trading results. The Latin root of the word humiliation is humus, which means earth or dirt and sheds another light on the expression, I felt like dirt. Psychologists Otten and Jonas of the University of Amsterdam conducted experiments comparing electrophenalograms, measuring participants' feelings of anger, happiness, and humiliation. And by far the most intense memory emotion registered by participants were feelings of humiliation. In short, as humans, we hate to be humiliated. Psychiatrist Dr. Neil Burton defines humiliation as something that is brought onto us by other people, as opposed to a feeling of embarrassment, which is something that we feel within ourselves. Humiliation involves an abasement of honour and dignity, and with that, a loss of status and standing. People who are in the process of being humiliated are usually left stunned and speechless, and more than that, voiceless. It is in the nature of humiliation that it undermines the ability of victims to defend themselves against their aggressors. To this day, humiliation remains a common form of punishment and abuse. Conversely, in history, the dread of humiliation was a strong deterrent against crime. The last recorded use of stocks in England was in 1872, where stocks immobilised victims in an uncomfortable and a degrading position while people gathered to taunt and torment them. Tarring and feathering were used in feudal Europe, which involved covering victims with hot tar and then putting feathers in them before parading them on a cart or on a wooden rail. According to psychiatrist Dr Neil Burden, humiliation need not involve an act of aggression. People can be readily humiliated through more passive means such as being ignored or overlooked, taken for granted or denied a certain right. When we are humiliated, we can almost feel our heart shriveling. And for many months, sometimes years, we can be preoccupied or obsessed by the situation. We also may internalise the trauma, leading to post-traumatic stress. 
Dr. Neil Burton argues that severe humiliation is a fate that can be worse than death because it destroys our standing as well as our life. Prison inmates who have suffered severe humiliation are routinely placed on suicide watch. As with all emotions, handling humiliation depends on how you construe the situation. As Hamlet said, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Here are five steps to overcoming the long-term and damaging effects of humiliation. Number one, realize that you are not alone. Everyone has been humiliated in life. Number two, keep on going. Usually what separates successful people is not just talent, but it's the willingness to keep coming back after terrible setbacks. Number three, most of the time, it is not personal. People who humiliate others are coming from pain and have usually been humiliated themselves. Number four, seek out a support network of mentors and friends and professionals to help you move on. And number five, consider forgiving those who have persecuted you. This shows your worth and dignity. It also shows your new identity. I am not a victim. I am a survivor, even a thriver who will not pass pain on to others. I hope you enjoyed this segment on humiliation and removing any destructive emotions which may be getting in the way of your trading success. Don't you deserve top trading results? You bet you do. And the way to get them is to get involved with our Trading Game Mentor Program. It's a six-month repeat-for-free course. We'll teach you to become a superb trader across every time frame with every instrument. You're going to want the free resources that we're releasing. Go to tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. That website again, tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Not only will you learn more about the Trading Game Mentor Program, but you'll get a whole heap of free trading goodies as well. And now here's our interview with trader and performance coach, David Hobart. Mr. David Hobart, you've been a trader, fund manager and investor for 25 years. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Caroline, thanks very much. Well, more the point, thanks for reminding me. It's been that long. <laughs> You're not feeling old, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little older now. Yeah. Now, you are a Goethe fan. This is my favourite quote from Goethe. What you do or dream you can, boldness has a genius, a magic and a power in it. That's my favourite quote. But this is your favourite Goethe quote. When we treat a man as he is, we make him worse than he is. When we treat him as if he already was, and what he could potentially be, we make him what he should be. David, why is self-doubt such an issue for traders? Well, Caroline, that's actually a paradox given the quote that you've just uh, read out because, of course, uh, what well, Goethe uh, was trying to get across there, at least how I've interpreted that quote, is that if you see people for their greatness, see people for their inherent possibility and hold them to that, then then that's who they become. 
and it's almost like for, for individuals, it's a memory. It's a remembering of who they are and you know, who they can possibly be. They don't really have to do anything other than be who, 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 who they already are. So, um, but in terms of self doubt, of course that gets in the way. Uh, and it, it, there's a paradox inside self doubt. Like for me, a little bit of self doubt for traders in particular is a healthy thing. It's not something to be afraid of. In fact, in my experience, a little bit of self-doubt causes you to be a little bit more focused on process, you know, asking the questions, having a little bit of skepticism in, inside what you're doing. So, you know, a little bit of self-doubt can be a healthy thing. It's just when it becomes a bit overbearing and it becomes the dominant voice in your head, that's, that's you know, when you can trip yourself up and get yourself into trouble. I mean, and you've really got to do the work on your process so that you truly understand it. Uh, and if you do that, then the, the, the self-doubt, it doesn't become so overwhelming. You know, often self-doubt's there simply because it's trying to tell you that you haven't done the work. So sometimes it's important to listen to it. I like that. Self-doubt's telling you you haven't done the work. That's really good. Let's talk about pressures. There are a lot of pressures. What sort of pressures face traders? Uh, I mean, performance pressures are obvious, right? So often, often, you know, we as traders get a little bit too outcome oriented. So we tend to focus on P and L again and not on process. Um, I just want to jump in here. You were a trader at Bankers Trust. Yeah, that's right. So you had high performance targets to meet. Uh, We did. In fact, I mean, BT had a, I mean, it was a great training ground in terms of understanding risk and being able to manage risk. Uh, we had a, uh, as a proprietary trader at BT, I had a 5%. If you, if you were given a notional capital amount of say $10 million to invest, uh, our, our initial drawdown uh, risk budget was 500,000. So f- f- uh, 5% of 10 million, but our budget expectations were 20% or, or $2 million with a risk of 500,000. So, I mean, that was a pretty tight uh, and, and some could argue these days unrealistic expectation for, you know, there's not terribly many strategies in the world that can kind of consistently generate that kind of risk return profile. So what other sort of pressures face traders? Uh, well, I would say, um, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, things that you worry about, like scarcity is a good one for private traders. So people tend to, yeah, they, they tend to get, again, it's a too focusing on the dollars and the cents. Uh, and that t- kind of gets in the way, particularly when you're in a drawdown. So when you're in a drawdown and you get really afraid of taking risk because you're really scarce, you're afraid of losing then it, you know, it impacts your capacity to have clear thinking. You know, there's a whole bunch of neurological and physiological responses that you have when you're under that sort of pressure, which just doesn't allow you to think clearly. So, you know, that just, you know, you can feel it. You can feel it, um, you know, as you, as you, uh, you know, your adrenals start pumping and your focus narrows, your cortisols go through the roof, excuse me. And so, yeah, that kind of, it narrows your focus. You become quite myopic. Uh, and it eliminates capacity for creativity. Uh, you know, you start to see risks where none actually exist. So, you know, it, ha- it can have a pretty material impact if you let it, if you let it build. There are certain repetitive 
patterns of behaviour which can adversely affect traders. Are you familiar with some of them? I mean, there are the obvious uh, cognitive biases that we all bring to the table, you know, so those are like uh, anchoring bias, recency bias, uh, fear of missing out, regret, uh, you know, and greed feeds into all of that as well. And probably the most obvious and common one is confirmation bias where you, you know, you, you, you have a view and then that's all you see. You, you see everything that confirms that view. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some of the things that typically get in the way, but, but probably, uh, I mean, again, those types of uh, biases can generally be dealt with by understanding, like if you look at entry, for example. So if you understand what the probability of all your entry signals are, you understand what the things are that impact those probabilities, then uh, you know, th- those biases, uh, you can kind of not eliminate, like they're always going to be, they're always going to exist because we're all human, but they don't actually have to get in the way. Is so, it a bias you know, that I hadn't, of, sorry, a bias I hadn't heard before, anchoring bias? Well, I mean, anchoring is, is I mean, if you think of the, the foundations to technical analysis. So when you look at a chart and and for example, when a, uh, a trend might be becoming established. You might see a series of higher lows and a, and higher highs. So the market moves from a range to it starts to creep higher through higher highs and higher lows. Well, what are those? What are those uh, higher lows and higher highs actually representing? Well, they're representing a shift in uh, in participant psychology, and people are going, "Oh, it got." So the, the market's starting to tilt to a more bullish bias. So what they do is go, oh, that got down to, let's say the low, the original low was 10. So the market starts to put bids in ahead of 10 because they're anchored to the, to the recent past. Does that make sense? It does. So it's, yeah, yeah. So that, that, and so anchoring bias exists in the marketplace, but uh, as an individual, you sort of need to be aware of how the market is anchored to the recent past, but you don't want to be anchored to the recent past. You need to be flexible and independent, uh, you know, of the past, if that makes nice sense. Nice distinction. Yeah, it mm. does. Yeah. So let's talk about entry. And a lot of people hesitate on entry. I think all traders at some stage do. What's your advice? I'm going to sound a little bit like a crack record, Caroline, I think. Um, I'll, I'll talk from personal experience. You've got guitars so it, in the background, so you're well, okay to talk like a crack yeah. record. <laughs> yeah, boom. Yeah. So in my experience, when I was running my fund, I was having uh, some issues with being decisive around entry. And so I sort of thought of it from a military perspective. So in the military, there's this notion of you need 70% of the facts and then you need to act. So you need to be able to say yes, no, like as a trader, yes or no, buy or sell and be decisive. And I was hesitating around my entries. So I thought, well, how can I train my body and train my mind to be more decisive? So I went looking for some form of, oh, well, I did, as it turned out, I, I, I did a martial art because I was looking, for, I thought sword training might actually be the thing that'll help me be more decisive. If someone's wielding a sword at you, you know, yes, no, you want to make that decision fairly quickly. Uh, so... Uh, physically, that's what I did. 
and it did help to some extent, but actually I think in reality, and this is where the crack record comes back into it, is the more you understand the probabilities associated with your entry signals, the more you understand your setups, what impacts those setups, what are the factors that impact those setups and how that impacts on probability. And you can do that through back testing uh, and, you know, warp, warp forward analysis, like simple kind of watching your strategy unfold, uh, you know, in a back test type environment, you can build up the muscle, if you like, to being able to make decisions much more uh, with more certainty, with more confidence. You may not have more than 70%, but you'll be able to say yes and no, or buy and sell much better when you're armed with the facts. So, you know, I think it, again, it comes back to process more than anything. You know, in my personal experience was, it was great to do sword training and, and a martial art for 10 years. I got a lot of other ancillary benefit. Uh, you know, I think at the time had I spent more time on understanding the probability around my entry signals, then I would have had better outcomes as a trader. Can we talk more about your swordsmanship? Because it's such an unusual martial art to have mastered. What did it bring you personally? Well, personally, I mean, you do, I mean, it was a ninjutsu. So it's a, it's a Japanese martial art. It's mostly about uh, using the energy of the people that are provided a little bit like Aikido, uh, which is again, uh, a martial art, which uses whatever's presented. Uh, but it's kind of, it's, real life combat training in a way. So that one of the first exercises we did was uh, how to defend yourself at an ATM from a, from a knife attack. So, so it's kind of bang straight away. You're learning practical skills that of course I've never had to use in the world. Thank goodness. But, Can you show us? Uh, but, Can you give us a few moves? <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd expect that if someone had, you know, accosted me at an ATM with a knife, uh, one would hope my training would kick in, but, uh, uh, until that actually occurred, I'm not really sure how it would, you know, how I would, how I would go. But in terms of trading, uh, where it really helped actually was when in a drawdown, because one of the psychological trainings that we went through was this notion of uh, going into battle as if already dead. So you know, it's just it's like look at what your worst case scenario is. And, and stand inside of it. Like actually look at what that's like. And so as a trader, I hit my drawdown metric. I'm out of the game. How does that look? What's the impact? What's the impact on my investors? What's the impact on, you know, my profitability, what I'm doing, my family, you know, all the things around me, look at it square in the face and then go, okay, well, if that's the worst, all right, now I can focus on, trading as opposed to you know playing defense i can play offensively again because i understand like i'm going into battle as if already dead uh and and you know from a psychological perspective that was quite helpful and that's all for today's episode on talking trading stay tuned next week to hear part two of trading coach david hobart i'm caroline stephen stay well Take care. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. 
This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are generally nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.